Welcome to Digication Scholars Conversations. I'm your host, Jeff Yan. In this episode, you will hear part two of my conversation with Celeste Kong, professor and the chair of general dentistry at the Boston University Henry M. Goldman School of Dental Medicine. More links and information about today's conversation can be found on Digication's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Full episodes of Digication Scholars Conversations can be found on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. I think it's brilliant. And I also think that it, you know what it does is that this shines a little light into, you know, everything that you had talked about from the case, um, you know, learning from cases and, 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 and what you had just said um, shines a light to sort of what the medical education, um, you know, looks like today and, and how, important it is for students to gain some of these skills but in a in a way that i mean to me it's you know these observation skills is not only going to be good for dentistry it's going to be good for everything that they do it's going to be good for the families it's going to be good for the the um uh, activism that they might do outside it's going to be good for the advocacy that they do you know um you know in the community and and so on and so forth you're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. And so that's one of my more recent uh, projects, I guess you could say. I just nudge them a little bit. You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, it would be nice if you do this. Then you'd have <laughs> to give them some points for it because, of yeah. course, students don't like to do stuff unless you give them points for it. Uh, but <laughs> some people are very creative with what they post and in terms of how they you know, put it out in terms of how they um, outlay. And do they their... share with each other with between the students? Yes, they can share that. between each other. Now, uh, we ask them not to share outside of BU, so the mm-hmm. students don't do that, but they share with their classmates. No, but that's it's such an important thing. I, I mean, that's really, and I don't know if you knew this, Celeste, uh, as one of the premise of how we, one of the big, pieces that we wanted from the education when we started building it over 20 years ago. It was about, you know, the fact that we wanted students to have a way to learn from each other. And and I think that when you just say that, it feels very, you know, it's, it feels very um, sort of generic. Sure, you learn from each other. What, but, but how? What do you mean by that? And I think what you said really sort of echoes what we were doing, which is the idea that, I mean, I was teaching in art and design programs. So, you know, architects or digital media people, et cetera. Um, but again, like you said, there is not a right answer. We don't have such a thing. We don't have the ability to have a multiple choice if we wanted to, right? Um, <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> and it's, it's a great thing. Um, and, um, and, um, so when we give a prompt to a student, you know, and set up some kind of premise that says, this is what you're going to be building, they can interpret it in any ways they want. And like you said, all of the background, the, the, the where they're from, all of that will bring in something really different. And there's nothing, you know, there's no way to, to be wrong about it. But you have to be authentic about it and go deep. Right. And right. 
And uh, we love the idea. When we say people learn from each other is when they were given the same thing and you wreck your brain and you think that this is how it should be. Right? Even though there's no right or wrong answer, you are trying to find out what it is that you think is this mm-hmm. means, right? So you right. figure that out. And as you figure it out, you realize that there are 15 other people figuring out their own ways out. And when they present it to each other, when you see their work, you realize that they are also right. Mm-hmm. And then you started to, then suddenly, because you spend so much time wrecking your brain to try to figure this out, you now suddenly have a really deep appreciation of those other 14 ways of doing things. And then you start to sort of get really humbled and you start to get really sort of, you know, keep a, I mean, you thought you had an open mind before. Now you have an even more open mind because you thought, well, yeah, if it's not this, it might be that. But you couldn't think of 15 other ways of looking mm-hmm. at it, including those ways that you thought definitely wouldn't work, you know, but they made it work. Yeah, I, I think also when I asked um, my colleague who teaches treatment planning to ask our students to reflect upon the process of treatment planning, to reflect upon what they learned in class in terms of treatment planning and sequencing a treatment plan, because that's, that's the more difficult nuance how to sequence what, how to prioritize treatment. Mm -hmm. And um, it's not an always easy course. There's a lot of stuff you need to do. But when you ask a student, what do you think you learned? Or what do you think helped you the most? They never say it was all for not. They will always say, this is how I learned best. And this was wonderful. And, you know, Mm -hmm. they may not have necessarily liked the process, but they liked where they got to. Mm-hmm. They discover when, a little bit more about themselves as well, right? Right. Yeah. And so when they reflect upon that, it's usually very positive. Um, and, and I think it makes them also think about things differently when they reflect upon how they feel about their learning and their competence. You know, Celeste, I, I don't want to put you on the spot here, and so feel free to, to not answer this. Okay. Is this just, you know, you and your program, or is this like how all the other medical schools and dental schools think? You know, I, I think I got some of this from our School of Public Health. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know the people from yeah. the School of Public Health who have been using it, and they had their graduates, um, their their masters, their you know, masters of public health people posting things about what they learned when they went on these mission trips mm. and what they did yeah. while they were there. And I thought, oh, our students can do that, yeah, but we don't, you know. And and that's what I wanted them to do. So. Um, are students who do service learning, for example. These are DMD1 students, their first year in dental school, but we send them to elementary schools to teach students how to take care of their teeth and uh, teach them how to brush their teeth Mm -hmm. and teach them perhaps, um, they might even do small procedures like sealants Hmm. to prevent cavities. And they 
were required to write a lesson plan. How are you going to deliver this material to these little children? And um, we want you to record this lecture that you're going to give to these little kids. And I'm like, and what do we do with those recordings? Now, that was the hard part because <laughs> early on, yeah. Jeff, it wasn't easy to post videos. Right. Yeah. Well, you going know, back quite a few years now. and A long yep, time. Yep. And we struggled. We really struggled. But because we had the content. We just didn't have anywhere to put it, yep. you know? Um, some students were posting it on YouTube and were going, mm, not sure you can post that on YouTube, yeah. you know? And granted, they, they never took videos of the kids that they were actually lecturing to because that's a that's right. a no-no. Mm -hmm. uh, they were only doing videos of themselves doing the presentations. Mm -hmm. But uh, I said, we have all of this wonderful content. And if they could put it all together to show how they've developed as a first-year student and how they then did other kinds of case presentations when they were f their fourth-year selves, I, you know, they could not only see their own development, but they could show other people how well that they did over these right. years. So I think that it, when you have all of this stuff, and, and a lot of dental schools are doing all of these things, but are they giving the students the tools to put them all together in one place so that they can take it to their program directors or to a future employer to show them all the things, all the wonderful things that they've done? And um, I think, you know, that's how I actually sold it to one other faculty member who is in the second year preclinical course for fixed prosthodontics. Our students not only learn how to prep and provisionalize the simulators, but they are using digital devices now to look and um, evaluate their work. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to ask them how they felt about these digital tools, what works for them, what doesn't work for them. And um, and uh, I think maybe one of the other screenshots I sent you might have had something to do with that. Uh, when the students reflect upon how they progressed from the first teeth that they prepped in the simulator to when they had to take their final exams because they obviously had to develop their dexterity skills, their psychomotor skills, and um, learn how to manipulate um, the materials that they were going to be using, as well as the tools that they were using. So when students are reflecting upon their progress on those things, I think it's, it's very positive. Yeah, I, I, could, I could see that. And I I also think that, I mean, going back again one more time to the idea that when they're reflecting on these things, it really is not just the content of that reflection that is, it's cool to be able to see that. But it, I think it activates your brain in some different ways. It activates your brain into sort of this mode of being able to um, look at something from perspectives that that you didn't have from before or make connections between things that you didn't make before. And I must say that I don't know whether this is part of, you know, our societal and cultural shifts in recent years, in addition to the 
the type of teaching and learning that you know you all are doing in 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 school you know thinking about these reflections and having students think deeply about connections you know between their own experiences and so on right. that i'm also seeing students having a much I, I don't know i can't help but to think that today's students have a greater sense of purpose than when i was in school maybe just personally but i looked around when, with my classmates and we all just want to get a job we didn't care what job <laughs> I think I think everyone still wants to get a job yeah. but I you know having having been responsible for making sure that our students reach search, certain competencies mm-hmm. um and you're supposed to look at multiple measures of assessment it can't be just one way that you determine whether a person became competent. What were the multiple measures of assessments? What were the different tools that you used? And, and students are also supposed to become, um, lifelong learners and learn how to self-evaluate. So yes, I can give them a grade sheet and say, okay, grade yourself. But if you ask them to reflect upon exactly how they got there that's a different thing than asking them to give themselves a grade right you know because uh, certainly even though you might give them a rubric that says give yourself an a if you did this give yourself a b if you did that they don't have to think too much about what happens then they go okay i did this so i can give myself an a or i didn't do this i have to give myself a b but if they actually have to think about well, why didn't I do that? Or why couldn't I? Or um, I could have done this, but I didn't. That's a whole different way of thinking about self-assessment. Yep. yep. And um, I think that's also another important way to look at these reflections. Because I know, I remember you used to say, you like to let the student or the learner just go with it, you know? And I'm like, problem with that is that they need, I think, a little bit more direction in terms of how to think about what their issues are. So we tend to give them a heads up about what are the kinds of things we're looking for in terms of self-assessment, in terms of critical thinking, in terms of communication, because they're going to be evaluated on those skill sets. And so, you know, if they didn't, I think they get extra points also for what kinds of photographs and the quality of the photographs that they might post um, to evaluate their work. But I think, you know, giving them some direction because because so many of our students, as I said earlier, don't do a lot of real writing. You know, mm, it's not yeah. as though, uh, it's not as though that's a strong suit in a lot of colleges. In a lot of colleges, I always call it multiple guests for your exams. <laughs> multiple guests. <laughs> and if it's, and if it's true false, then you get a 50 50 chance yeah. on your mom. Right. You know, right. um, but if you actually have to write, it's a it's a much different skill, and I will say, uh, I know that my faculty members, my colleagues, will realize that for the people who are not 
native English speakers and writers, they have to give them a little bit more leeway because right. um, that is a very different kind of skill set too. Um, content rather than grammar. Right, maybe, right, right. You, they can, they can, they can look at the the ideas and the concepts behind what the writing. I mean, you can oftentimes the gram, you can have grammatical mistakes, but you do get the idea, you know, behind it. Correct. Um, yeah. I, I, I think that there is a great sense of um, sort of hearing from what what you are saying just now there's a there's this sense of you know maybe this is what the the future um of um uh sort of uh, uh education education, education yeah. and assessment in medicine could mm-hmm. be could be really a lot different than what it is today yes i definitely think so you know um I think that for someone to put all the pieces together, um, it does require a different skill set. Um, and asking them, I mean, some, some institutions, for example, or some programs rely heavily on oral examinations. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of light, not licensure, but, um, for example, a lot of the specialty board examinations are oral exams. Mm -hmm. You sit in front of a cadre of examiners Mm -hmm. who will listen and question you. And it's an oral exam because they want to know how well you can put all the pieces together. And, and maybe they don't want to read it, but they can certainly listen to you. Yeah, sure. You know? So I think, um, our pre-docs, uh, do actually a really wonderful job when you ask them to do it, but it is, obviously something that a faculty member now has to create a rubric for and -hmm, therefore assess it differently, you know. Well, teaching is a lot of work, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a lot of work when you know what you're supposed to be doing. (laughs) So if you just do multiple guesses, it's okay. That's that's easy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, I mean, writing writing a good multiple guess exam is also not so easy but um i think it's a it's again it's a different skill set yeah um i remember going from that british education to the american education wow i won't have to do that anymore that's easy (laughs) well you know what i always find and by the way i don't know if you knew this but um i also had a british um education myself Ah, um, in England, um, I, well, uh, I, I used to live in Hong Kong when I was um, mm-hmm. uh, young, and then um, as a teenager, I spent my high school in England, and ah, also mm-hmm. not there's not a lot of multiple choice. Yes, and, definitely not. Yeah, I had to I had to take my O levels, and O levels were always an essay, right? Yep, yeah, yeah. Yes, um, and, and I I I must say that. When I first saw this multiple choice thing in the U.S., also I went to college in the U.S., and I'm I didn't have too many, but I you know we've we've done them. And the way that I was thinking about because I was in an art and design school, right? When I saw that, I I thought I kept thinking this is this like the eight bit, you know, like 
you know, color, like, you know, like, mm -hmm. this is like Pong, um, <laughs> you know, like you only have two colors and, you know, mm -hmm. that's what you got. And that's the, that's the fidelity of understanding of something, you know, and, yeah. and I'm kind of going like, how could this possibly work? It also takes away the full color that we actually see and experience. Um, it feels a little bit. So now yeah. I understand how come you come to create something like education. <laughs> so, you know, uh, yeah, I, most of my elementary and high school were from Hong Kong and Singapore. Oh, okay. And um, so uh, certainly a, a British system of education. And um, they did well by me. I did well, you know, but um, it's a very different, it's a very different environment. And and there are always pros and cons to and to everything, right? Mm -hmm. One of the things I will say that is a con for the Singapore version was that at the age of fifteen, I think it was at the mm -hmm. age of fifteen, they streamed us. What that means is they've decided what our strengths were at the age of fifteen, and they started choosing our subjects for us so you had to do arts or science and i had I, I remember having to pick that too you are in the arts or in the sciences and basically the the brighter kids all go to the sciences they make more money and the, the people in the arts didn't that's what it was like for us yeah yeah. yeah, but but you see, where in Singapore you didn't have the choice. They didn't give you the choice. Oh, they, so so you you are you are you if you score. I, we we had this similar thing too. Like you you get to um, you know you you can only go to choose if you score high enough. Correct. Right. So Correct. you had a choice, but you have to you have yes. to score. Correct. You have to perform. Correct. Correct. <laughs> right. If you if you didn't perform really well, then yeah. you had no choice. Yeah. They then were your choice is that one choice. <laughs> right. 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 Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. If you if you scored well, then you, if you wanted to do arts, then you could if you wanted to. But otherwise, they were going to put you in the sciences. Yeah. You know, and it's not as though. So I personally, I I wanted to do architecture. I don't know if I'd ever told you. Oh, that. really. <laughs> My first semester in college was in architecture, uh -huh. but um, because I loved the math and I loved yeah. the drafting and the drawing yeah. and the art piece, I just, in the end, I went in more into the sciences after the first semester. So um, I think it's just a different kind of skill set, you know, and, and depending on how people uh, feel about what it is they want to spend their life work doing. Uh, I think that's the real choice. Um, I think, unfortunately, at least in Singapore, where people, I mean, I had friends who did science, but not enough science, so that in Singapore, well, that means you can't do this, mm. you know, and, and I think that's, at the age of 15, 16, and 17, that's it's really early. too early. Yeah, it's, early. it's really, really too early. So I, that's why I say it's it's a con. It's not uh, It's not a pro. Right. You're a late bloomer. You're kind of, you know. You're, yes, because there are You don't have the opportunity to bloom. Exactly. Right? And, right. and the thing is that doesn't take into account that, for example, boys, uh, and I have one son, boys 
tend to bloom a little bit later. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, um, and that if everybody has to have a decision made at the age of 15, I don't think that's any good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I do think that, um, I do think that there's, I mean, these things, I feel like, you know, you're right in the pros and cons and the pendulums also swing back and forth too. You know, mm -hmm. like we were saying before, people used to have no choice but to do things more hands-on. Now we have more choices, but then, you know, like at some point we sort of forgot about the hands-on stuff and then we kind of starting to come back a little bit more and people started to, you know, miss that and see the yes. value. And then, but then when you combine them, maybe you see, I do think that generally the, the, the needle is moving forward or the, the graph is going up. Yeah. I, you know, I really think that what we have at BU in terms of this technology, that is absolutely the way going forward. More and more people will be um, scanning uh, an impression. More and more people might be dealing with ceramics and, and cone beam data. I really, really do believe that. Um, but there are many parts of the world and even in this country where people can't afford access to those kinds of um, technology. Yeah. And, you know, the community health centers at this point in time can't afford that technology. And therefore, people who will want to give care to the indigent and people who will want to work at community health centers to give back to their communities, they have to learn how to do it the old-fashioned way. Right. You right. know? And um, that's why I think it's important that our students learn both. At the beginning, I used to say, well, I'm going to have to push them to use the new technology because, you know, they're, they might be fearful of the computers. You know what? That wasn't the problem. <laughs> Nowadays, I have to require them to use the old technology <laughs> a little bit right. so that they know how to use it when they leave us. Yeah. Um, it, it's a different thing. Now, um, so again, congratulations on, you know, your retirement which is coming up in days yes days um what's next for you well um i am currently the regent of the international college the deputy regent i will say deputy regent of the international college of dentists in massachusetts so i'll still have my hands in dentistry for a little bit at least organized dentistry um my son is getting married next month, so he's out in California. I'm going to go out to a vineyard where he wants to have his wedding. Nice. That'll be fun. And, you know, I, my husband has been totally retired for the last three years, and he's just been waiting for me. And uh, I hope we can travel again. He said this was the last New England winter we were going to put up with. <laughs> 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 yeah, we had a little bit more snow this past winter. Yeah. But I I'm all for it. I think, you know, um I think that it will be a different thing for sure, and it's definitely bittersweet when I've been at this one institution for 40 years. Um and I've and I've loved it and there were times when it was difficult and there were times when it was just a lot of fun. But all in all, it's been a wonderful career for me here. And Boston University, I believe, has been an excellent place. Um, I 
truly do believe that uh, they've taken care of their faculty members through this COVID too. So um, I think I'm, I'm just very thankful for all the opportunities. I called, actually, I'll tell you this one story. Um, I have worked for five chairs at this university, <laughs> but I recently called the first chair I ever worked for. He's 92 years old now. And he says, I've lost a lot of muscle mass, Celeste, except for between my ears. So <laughs> he says, she's the, and I said, well, thank you for giving me the opportunity for this career. And uh, he said, well, he chose me because he said it was known that I like to help my colleagues. And he thought that that was a good thing for a teacher to be. And uh, I said, okay, if my epitaph is that I like to help my colleagues, then I think that's a good thing. That is, that is wonderful. What a way to, um, to have that uh, cap off at the end here. Um, I, Please, you know, thank you so much for for sharing this incredible journey and also just also on your end, giving us the opportunity to work with this incredible program. Uh, and uh, we are so honored to be part of it and just seeing how you have sort of transformed the way that, you know, this, this program uh, over the last, you know, years um, is is inspiring and 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 give us also hope that yeah. um, like like we were saying you know this could be the future of what education in medicine looks like and and that's amazing. I think I told you this in an email, but last year we made a poster because we've done um, a survey and it's going to be a an ongoing three year survey of how the students feel about e-portfolio um, in terms of their learning, things like critical thinking and communication skills. And um, we only had one year of data last year that they put into a poster for our local education day here on the medical campus. And the faculty members won best faculty poster for it. Oh, that's, that's so nice. uh, it was very nice. And, uh, I can see all the emails going out to the students right now about please respond mm -hmm. to this survey mm -hmm. so that, we, you know, um, we can assess what we're doing mm -hmm. with you in terms of your e-portfolios. So I think it's all good. Well, even though you'll be retiring soon, I'm sure that your legacy will live on for a long time. And I hope that you'll I get to work with your um successors and your colleagues uh, moving forward and and uh but you know i'm sure that we'll see you on the um on the trail somewhere somewhere yeah yes well thank you again celeste for everything and for sharing all your insights and knowledge what a what a wonderful wonderful way to um for me to have the the luck to catch you, you know, a week before just before you, I leave, <laughs> you, leave Boston University. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I I hope that uh, BU will take this into their archive because, you know, that's uh, I, that's probably I, a a, a lot of information that uh, they wouldn't know otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> not in not in one place anyway. <laughs> well, you know, I want to thank you for designing something like this. Jeff, because otherwise I was trying to figure out how students were going to put this all in one place to show the development. 
you know, mm -hmm. because what you want to see is that development, how they progressed. Um, and just seeing one or two pieces doesn't really put that together. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks again, Celeste, and uh, we will see you soon, I'm sure. Hope so, yeah. Okay. Okay, thank Take you. Take care. This concludes our conversation. To hear our next episode, be sure to subscribe to Digication Scholars Conversations on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. The Digication Scholars Conversation series is brought to you by Digication, a technology platform powering the most innovative e-portfolio programs in K-12 and higher education. Our website can be found at digication.com. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please like, subscribe, and share with a friend. Thanks for tuning in.